Hello, and welcome to the Heroes in Our Midst podcast. If this is the first time you've joined us, then yay, so happy to have you. And if you've been before and you've come back to hear another inspiring story, then thanks. I'm Michelle Sawatsky-Coop, the fortunate one who gets to have these conversations with all of the incredible humans we've already talked to and the countless amazing ones we're going to find in the future. Never mind the present. Steve Bell, you guys, for me, if there's a hero in our midst, he's one of them for sure. You see, he'd never say that about himself. He's carved out this incredible musical career by staying true to himself and what he values the most. He has a strong faith that you can't help but want to hear about when you're around him. He lives what he believes and he writes and sings about it. But it wasn't a Sunday school path for him, if you know what I mean. From a young age, who his teachers were might surprise you. I really don't want to say much more because he says it so much better than I could. But before we begin, you should know that since 1989, he's been awarded three Junos with another three nominations. His work has won four Western Canadian Music Awards, numerous Gospel Music Awards, and Prairie Music Awards too. He's performed over 2,000 concerts to over a half million people in 15 countries around the world, and played over 30 sold-out symphony concerts across Canada and in Nashville. He was the recipient of the 2012 Queen Elizabeth II's Diamond Jubilee Medal, He's won three Word Guild Awards for song lyrics, poetry, and published articles. He was appointed to the Order of Manitoba in 2021 and the Order of Canada in 2022. To say he's made an impact on the world around him is an understatement. And he invited me to his studio for this conversation. So cue the great studio sound. Yeah, this is the this is home base for me. It's yeah. where it happens, eh? Yeah, it's been like this for I've been here for with with Dave Zagleski yeah. for almost thirty years. Yeah. Amazing, yeah. thirty years. Does it ever get old? No, not yet. I, I am, but it doesn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Same. <laughs> well, I, it only gets old in the sense that, like, as you as you get older, things are more stressful, har- sure. like harder on your body. So what I'm finding, I'm not finding the the essential work getting old but i'm finding myself is more easier tired out mm-hmm. those sorts of things mm-hmm. right so yeah yeah i have to be a bit more mindful of my limitations than i used to be yeah darn yeah hey we have yeah. when we have to get to a point just, where we admit it just just when you th- when you probably have something to say <laughs> <laughs> or you're getting good at what you have to do right. you know you st- you have to start limiting what what you can do right yeah so, yeah yeah know, totally well, a, interesting strikes me because this is called the sort of heroes in our midst right and and yeah. and it's interesting we we call at that because I think there are people like you, you know, you're winning Junos, you're doing some of those things, you're, you know, a lot of people know who you are. Mm. I, you know, I say, I'm going to go visit Steve Belt, and they're like, what? Mm. You're just like, what? Did you just call him up? Like, what? <laughs> yes, you, you know, did. I mean, you, right? Because, yeah. I mean, you're sort of in in that company of people that, you know, you're busy, you, you know, you have, like, we book time with you, that kind of thing. Right. Um, which is cool. But what I like the best about this whole thing is we're talking to you because we want to get to know you. Oh, good. Okay. Not just why you've been successful, though we will get to that as mm-hmm. well. I, I, we like to, I like to pick the brain of, you know, why do you think this really has worked for you mm-hmm. in your chosen field? But... Um, just how do you stay well? How do you, you know, how do you perform right. as a whole person, you know? Oh, interesting. 
Nobody's, yeah. nobody's ever asked me that question. See? There we go. So it's like looking behind the scenes. And because I think what's so important now in, in this day and age, we're also, we, we're competitive. Winning is a big deal. It mm-hmm. always has been. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. You know, um, but we want to succeed. People all want to, they have a dream or they want to get somewhere. Mm-hmm. But we do it at such cost so yep. often. In sport and I think in music, very much the same. In, in the arts world, right? Yeah. Like, I think I think the danger of it, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to be successful. Right. You know, or to, yeah. to, to learn how to do your exercise your gift well sure I think I think in our world though the, the problem is I mean uh, my life changed when I stopped um, defining success by a certain by a certain in a limited framework right. and I realized that that I didn't want actually or need the success say of the Nashville world and came back from having I went down there for years and years and years always trying to sort of get the attention of the big record label and then Dave and I went down this one um, to, to Nashville for a conference, and both of us kind of had a conversion away from it. We're all of a sudden we're like, this isn't who we are. It's not what we want. Yeah. Um, if we were successful down here, we probably wouldn't like it. Um, and we came home and stopped trying to just, just stop. Just decided to just do locally our best. Yeah. And just kind of grow organically, and that's kind of what worked for us yeah. in the end. That's when we stopped trying to be successful. On that model, mm-hmm. we found a different way of doing good work. Yeah, I think that in itself, you know, brings about a whole unique path that you've taken and yeah. and how this has worked for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think the best way to get there, of course, is any story. Like, you have you have a fascinating story as well. It's another reason I wanted to, let, like, share your story with even more people. Okay. Um, and um, this is a platform where it's not just your Christian contemporary listeners that are going right. to be hearing this. Even growing up, like, how yeah. this all became you. The music and all that was born out of some really unique places were you like a three-year-old like jamming away at, at music no, or at you... first. Well, well yes and no I mean I, I so I have I've, I've come out of a context so my my grandparents on my dad's side were missionaries in China like right. so my dad was born in Tibet so um I I grew up um I had a very storied youth yeah. you know my grandparents telling us stories about being in China of course and this is before you know you didn't we didn't have access to Visuals twenty four seven, so it was just fantastic, right? Yeah. So that you know, like, and so that was great. My dad had these wonderful stories as a boy. Um, it was connected to the war, so there's war stories that went in uh, with that as well. So there was a huge sort of um, a storied upbringing mm-hmm. with grandparents who were good storytellers and loved to tell those stories. So that was great. My dad, uh, a Baptist minister. Um, my mother is. Um, as an artist, she's a, a beautiful piano player and songwriter. We had a family traveling gospel band when I was a kid. Dad would preach and we'd sing and we had matching outfits and all, all that stuff. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Seriously. Oh, good. Yeah. So I wasn't the only one who, who had matching outfits oh, with oh, uh, my sisters and yes. uh, yes. all the singing yes. we did. And, and of course, they're all homemade, right? So my oh, mom made homemade. them. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My yeah, first yeah. guitar was ordered from the Sears catalog. <laughs> Right, so like, so that's you know that's yeah. the the well, was Sunday had. evening service a big thing yep. for you guys? Like, well, that's, right? that's, or, or? that's where I mean every like so my my father eventually became a prison chaplain, right? And then he would want to go out and sort of promote the the prison work amongst churches. Churches always had Sunday evening services, so mm-hmm. we would be in a you know in Drumheller Prison doing the service on the Sunday morning, and we'd be all over the or Stony Mountain later. And then we'd be all over the, the countryside in the evenings yeah. singing because 
Because that's, that's what churches did then. That's what churches did. You had I two know. services. It, it, I hated it because that's when Walt Disney was on. <laughs> I, oh, I never oh got we to, have a similar I never got to that. see the end of any Walt Disney show. I could always watch the first half an hour and then we had to go to church. And then you had to go. <laughs> it it's just, like Bugs Bunny was on during bath time because you had to get all yeah. bathed up for Sunday <laughs> yes, to do all this stuff. Exactly. Oh, that's so, too funny. Yeah. And then and, and then and there also, I mean, there was that whole... So I, I grew up also going to church in prisons. Yes. And then another piece of my upbringing, which is significant, was my mom's mental health. She had... Uh, my mom uh, st- struggled hard with um, anxiety and depression. Yeah. Um, often quite crippling. And so that, you know, that it's a huge... It's not a complaint. Um, that's just part of... That's part of the DNA of, of our family. Mm-hmm. And my dad was... And both my dad and my mom were really great with helping us not understand it, but just sort of realize this is like as a family, this was something that we had that we shared together. Yeah. Um, and so I, so it wasn't a complex upbringing in that sense, and mm-hmm. um, and there was a lot of sadness for me in in my mom's um, illness, you know, because she just she suffered a lot. Sure. A uh, very loving person, and so it was hard for me to watch her suffer. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't pass any of that onto us. Right. Which is a bit amazing. Wow, that is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she was very, very kind um, and loving, and, and we we share music, obviously. Mm. Uh, so that's kind of the, the, the piece of it. And then um, growing up into high school, um, uh, you know, I, again, I, I spent most of my um, my formational years going into prisons for church, and that's a different experience. Totally. Right, because in, in the church on the outside, people are presenting their best selves. Mm-hmm. There's a, sort of a, there's a, it's, it's people get tidied up before they go to church. Sure. In prison, kind of people don't. It's 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 kind of like you get out of bed and your hair's up like this, and mm-hmm. you've got a record, and, and, you know, you're here because nobody's visiting you. Might as well come to church. Why right? not? So so there's a, there's a sort of a subtext of, of sorrow and loss and yeah. regret but there's also um, there's a, a a deep fellowship of suffering mm-hmm. in there, mm-hmm. and inmates um, were good to me. They taught me to play guitar. Um, pe- people were were complex. I didn't grow up with incomplex people. I grew up with complex people right. who I loved. Exactly. And, and their complexity was not a barrier. It was just the mystery of who they are. Yeah. And my dad was really great at helping us, whether it be with my mom and her illness or inmates with records and people who had done bad things. But who weren't bad? Yep. Right. Um, and so having to sort of, and then also with a faith um, that, um, you know, like none of the things that we dealt with were solved by lobbing Bible verses like hand grenades, like holy hand grenades, like that just didn't work. Yeah. And so we, I didn't grow up with that kind of faith. It wasn't magic. It didn't. Our faith didn't protect us from suffering or sadness. It didn't right. pr- protect us from ill health um, or anybody we knew or we loved. You know, so we couldn't sort of couch. It wasn't Disney-esque. And, um, and so that created a certain person who I am. Um, coming out of that in high school, I found I, when I tried to get involved in, in my own personal church life, I just found it, everything too tidy. I just it didn't fit anywhere. Um, I ended up playing clubs for 10 years, yeah. clubs, not because that was a chosen profession. I just didn't know what else to do. Right. It, and you wanted to play music. Well, it didn't even occur to me that this is who I am. Okay. It, just, it was more like, since I don't know what to go to university for, I'll do this okay. until I figure out what I'm here for. <laughs> sure. You know, and sure. so I played clubs for 10 years and people were, and I was always in someone else's band. I was never the center. The lead uh, guy. Yeah. It yeah. was always either part of a group or a side guy. Mm-hmm. And I remember people would say, you should do, Steve, this is what you do. And I'm going, no, 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 no. 
you know, and I kept on looking for something huh. like what's the career path. Wow. This, what I do now, never once occurred to me. Really? It, it honestly didn't. Wow. And it was after about 10 years, um, a pretty profound um, encounter, I'm, I'm just going to say uh, how I understand it with God, in bed one night, just in my room, sort of an electrifying presence, and I suddenly knew this is this is who I am, this is what I do. And that's when I became Steve Bell, the artist. That And that was like, Late 30s or late 20s at that point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd like to go back a little bit to your mom, if it's okay. Sure. um, Because that was in a time where, I mean, we talk a lot about mental health here in this podcast. Mm -hmm. We talk about being well. And then we talk about, you know, the human behind everything. And and that that obviously was a a big shaper. I mean, our mothers always shape us. And even if we don't know it, you know, what was it like for, for, for her and for you then was like... People didn't talk about it then. Well, like it, it wasn't as right. Okay. Yeah, and, and there was there was there was a shame attached to it. Totally. Like like if you have mental health, there's something wrong with you. Right. Right. And so, um, you know, we we didn't really have the, an understanding back then that I don't know how to say this without yeah. getting the wrong words. But but a broken same mind is sure. different than a broken arm. Uh, totally. It's no one's fault. There's there's no failure here. Right. 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 And so and um, I, again my. My dad, I mean, he had sort of he he his theology he had sort of made his peace with human brokenness. It just did, he wasn't scandalized by wow. it, huh. and so he really did teach us not to be scandalized by human brokenness, whether it be prison inmates or mental health issues yeah. or whatever family breakups, divorces, um, you know, addictions. Like these are just all part of the human experience that we are to bring the love of Christ into as best as we can, yeah. including our own. Yeah, which is an incredible right. perspective because yeah. the Sunday school upbringing of mine, we could throw an yep. answer at that. Well, do yep. you have enough faith? You have a faith ministry. Yep. So it's so refreshing, which is, again, another reason I wanted to talk to you mm-hmm. because what a refreshing perspective you bring, which makes sense from a very young age. It, well, um, I, I wrote a, when my dad died, I wrote a song uh, for him. And in there is a line that he was not scandalized by brokenness, not scandalized mm-hmm. by pain. But dad could not um, – uh, how did I say this? But dad could not – basically tolerate the shame. Yeah. Like suffering and brokenness and all that kind of stuff was part of the human. Shame, he thought, was from the pit of hell, mm. right? So like brokenness didn't bother him. Shame did. And he would say, I remember as a, as a, as a kid him saying to me one time, he said, like, there's a difference between, say, guilt and shame. And he would say, guilt is feeling bad for something um, you've done. So when you put your hand uh, on a hot stove, you feel the pain of that. And the good thing about the guilt or the pain is that you take your hand off. Right. It's a gift. Right. right? Because it's otherwise, a, get your you hand might on not. the fire, idiot. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. He said, so shame or guilt is feeling bad for something you've done. Um, he said, shame is feeling bad for who you are. Mm. And he said, one is a gift from God, and the other is is from the pit of hell. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> That's how my dad so would say. So strongly. It. Yeah. Strongly. Oh, very, yeah, very yeah. strongly. Yeah. yeah. So he had he. So I mean, I, I sort of grew up with those that kind of a theology. Mm. I was. It was very blessed and very yeah. uncommon because again this was this was sort of prairie evangelicalism that he grew up in so i wouldn't you wouldn't expect that right. so much you know right. but he just i don't know from his own i guess upbringing the the, the things he saw as a boy with the, with the war and in china and different cultures um allowed him to to see um people in a different light yeah, and a wider perspective yeah. so early on yeah. that he could pass on to you. He yeah. realized, how, I'm sure, when, in all of that and being in these different places that this is about more than just yeah. behavior yeah. and yeah. Uh, making choices and good and bad. Or, and, or, you or know, I believe in this you know, and not in that. This law yeah. and this law and following it or not. 
Right. Right. Following but he rules. did have a deep faith. Sure. A particular faith. I mean, mm-hmm. he was a Christian. He believed in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also was deeply open to wisdom f- from wherever it came from. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, I love that. and authentic faith and spirituality. So right. he would have no problem. Um, and he ended up as a prison chaplain because you had to, um, you know, dealing with, you know, Muslims and Buddhists and, and you know. And so he just it is he had a belief. Yes. But he held it with an open hand. Yeah. And it would never occur to him that God could not reveal God's self to someone in a different land, in a different culture, in a different context. Right. That would just never occur to him. I love that. Of course God can. I love and that. And does. And, and yeah. how often we underestimate yep. the fact that he could do that. Yep. Um, I want to talk more about those inmates and your relationship mm-hmm. with them and how they taught you how to play guitar. Give us a little picture of what well, was that like? Did you actually sit down with some yeah. of them? Like in, yeah. You well, know, it, like, well, it was, it was um, okay, so my mom, uh, being the musician, so dad is yeah. the chaplain and he's right? putting on a service every Sunday and my mom is the, the you know, the dutiful, you know, pastor's wife who plays the piano. Because that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what all pastor's wives do. <laughs> that's right. Is play piano. And so... <laughs> And so what happened was was she when they when she when they started doing this prison work, um, I mean she just quite quickly re- realized there there at any given time there tends to be a lot of musicians in jail, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 musicians were attracted to her because she was such a beautiful player. I mean she mm. really was an exceptional piano player. Like you just felt gift the minute she sat down. You just felt it. And so then, you know, so the musicians sort of came out of the woodwork. And so then she started, I, this would be before worship bands, um, but a, a contemporary worship band wow. uh, with the inmates. Um, and, and mostly almost like to a country. And like a lot of the guys were indigenous and there was a sort of huge um, uh, a sort of uh, uh, love of country music. And so it had that kind of vibe. And so every Saturday they would they would have rehearsals for the worship band, and then the inmates would always want to stick around and jam afterwards. They sit in a circle. Yeah. So I'd go in with mom and dad because I just wanted to see these guys play. There were some of them were very fine. Yeah. Very fine players. And then when the inmates and I was about eight, when they heard that I was interested in playing, I and mean, they just actually said to dad, you know, like like let's be a bit more, more deliberate. Get him a guitar, bring him in. He can sit with us afterwards and learn. And so it wasn't so much that I took lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, uh, and, and, and several of these guys were indigenous. And their, their, their sort of way of teaching wasn't so much, you know, young man, do this and do that. It was sort of like watch and do. Yeah. You know, so you sit in the circle of men. Yeah. Which when you're eight years old, that's like, boy, I'm a, I was a peer there. Anybody who had a guitar was a peer. Cool. Right. And that's the coolest thing. Yeah. Right. When when grown up people take you seriously. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then the, also the dignity of never telling me what to do unless I asked. OK. Right. And I was just sort of sit there and I'd watch fingers and he put his fingers there and I try to do this. And they'd, you know, and if I said, hey, what's going on? They'd stop. But again, it was always it was always more learning in community. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's almost like I learned um, music the same way I learned to speak. Just by being around it, yeah, you know, and so you try your first words, and it's terribly cute, and people are going to go, "Oh, he said, mama, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then you feel that warmth and that 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 encouragement, and that yeah. oh, that makes so them you happy. try another one, you try right? another one, try right. another one, like a guitar, yeah, right? you know, so um, so yeah, I didn't take formal lessons; it was more just in in I, I learned it like I learned language, mm-hmm. you know, just by being around it. Yeah, and your mom's the musician; she didn't want to put you into all these lessons and things. What was her stance? Uh, that. She, I mean, she like she did first. I mean, she was a studied musician. Like she yeah. had, she I mean, she she had taken piano. Sure. Um, she started teaching us kids when we were young. I did take a few little lessons, but I think quickly, like my ear was way faster 
than anything. And she oh, could yeah. tell that I'm, I'm never going to learn to read music because I can just look and hear it and do it before. <laughs> before you'd even you know, get to And it that. just got frustrating for her. Mm-hmm. And, and then we, it ended up being um, not a tension between us, but she sort of realized this is just going to be more negative than positive. Mm-hmm. And that's when they just started letting me have access to the instruments and learn the way I learn. For sure. Some people learn, I mean, like a guy like Mike Jansen, who's, who's so disciplined. Yes. And he has done all the proper learning in a way that hasn't obliterated his natural thing like he has both which is incredible yeah that's unique yeah unique i only have one of those like, yeah 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 <laughs> I and ha- i have the other yeah oh, i have- studied so much bach and beethoven oh see yeah you put a p- piece of music in front of me i can yeah. read it right oh. my sight reading's great yeah now m- my ear playing would right. be exactly the opposite right like mm-hmm. yeah it's not that good uh, <laughs> you know, i go somewhere like oh you're you're a piano player oh can you play this like if we're at a i don't know we're at a hotel or something there happens to be a piano there i'm yeah. like yeah, you got the music? Yeah. Okay, now <laughs> you me. got the music? So I can I'll, t- do that, I'll tell you right? a funny story. Okay. Grade 10, mm-hmm. I found out that if you got, I think it was grade five piano, it, yep. counted, it counted as a as a course credit. Sure. So I went to a piano teacher and I said, I want to get my grade five this year. <laughs> and she said, Oh, have you got your grade one, two, three, four? I said, No. Yeah. And she says, Well, we can't do that. And I said, Yeah, we can. And 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 so I can't believe she went for this. But I said, let's go through the, the, the exam mm-hmm. and let's pick the pieces. Yeah. Just play them for me. Love it. You know, and she did. I can't believe. Love like it. She, and so I just listened and watched and I'd yeah. learn. And then I learned the scales. I mean, that, I mean that's just, you know, I, but I didn't really properly learn how to read. Right. And then I went to get my grade five and I only wanted to do it because I wanted the, <laughs> the, the, in a sense, the, the credit. free credit. Yeah, right. Sure. And so I, I went to take the exam. And of course, the issue is there's a, a sight reading component. Yes, there is. And I can't do it. Right? <laughs> so I go in there and I play my scales beautifully and I pay, play these songs with passion and emotion and yes. artistry and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And then the, the, the instructor put um, – she put the, the, sight, the reading. sight reading in front of me and I'm just like – all of a sudden I just – I can't speak. You yeah. know? And, and it was just awful. And I tried a, a couple starts and, I, and finally I just handed her and said, I can't do this. And she goes, I can, I can just tell you're nervous. And yeah. I, I passed with honors. <laughs> of course you did because yes. that little sight reading part's only about worth seven marks or well, something. Well, but she, but she, she sort of assumed that it was nerves, <laughs> oh, yeah. not that I couldn't Thank actually you. play. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, it's important. But some can do both. And, I, and I, like, that's, wow. that's why Mike Jansen is Mike Jansen. Yes. And for those who are listening that don't know who Mike Jansen is, look him awesome. up. Yeah, look him up. Look he's, him up. Yeah, he's brilliant. So yeah. good. And Manitoban, too. Boot. So uh, yep. we're really proud of yep. that. Yep. Uh, so let's talk more about your music. So so you learn. We we sort of got a feel for where you learned your music, how mm-hmm. you learned your music, mm-hmm. and obviously your mom passed on uh, like a lot of gifting to you. Yep. I mean, you know, I, I think, and you won't say this, but we who listen to you will say, like, we also. I mean, you mentioned how when your mom plays, we feel the gift, and right. I feel like we feel the gift when when you play. Okay, yeah, even storytelling, mm-hmm. you know, there's a gift giftedness mm-hmm. that you. That oozes out of you. Mm-hmm. I think that's why many of us become fans. We want to also hear your stories as much as we want People to hear love your stories. Music. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Life is made up of yeah. stories. So as you've gone into this um, career of yours, talk a little bit about your career. Talk a little bit about Nashville. You touched on it, but like, bring us through that time. Like my music, like the music I had access to growing mm. up was mostly classics, hymns, and gospel quartet music. Okay. That's that's what you heard in the Bell family, right? right. Um, and then we start going to the prisons. As my dad started doing that work, and I said I got sort of um, uh, introduced to more of a country slash folk sensibility. Yeah. Um, and then in my mid years, I started stepping out into more more risky music, like the Carpenters Ooh. and and 
like non-Christian stuff. Right. Um, and uh, then when I was about 16, a, a very good friend of mine introduced me to the, the music of Bruce Coburn. Mm-hmm. And I had no catcher's mitt, mitt for that. Like right. I, I had never heard music that required something of me yeah. to appreciate. Like the good music was the music that I immediately liked. Right, Carpenters, I mean, it's beautiful, right? Beautiful. Lush harmonies, Her voice. gorgeous melodies, what a voice, you know. But then Bruce Comer comes along and his chord changes are kind of angular and his voice is a bit honky and his poetry is hard to access. And I was like, what is he talking about? Why are you making this so hard? Just tell me, you know. And I didn't really like him, but I could appreciate the guitar playing. He was an amazing guitar player. And then I uh, I went um, on the encouragement of a friend to a Coburn concert. And when I saw him live, the penny dropped. And I realized that there's this whole other aspect to music artistry and expression of, of faith that had never occurred to me. Hmm. You know, and he also brought in, because he's a, he's a man of faith as well, um, issues of social justice and stuff that just weren't really part of my upbringing. Right. You know, as part of uh, theological conversations, that, that justice and, and, and how, how do we um, uh, politically in, engage, I don't mean partisan-wise, but how do we actually engage with, with you know, as, as people of faith. So he brought in a whole new level of, um, of spirituality and music artistry and poetry um, that um, I didn't even, I wasn't aware of. It, it, so it's not like I had rejected it. I had never experienced it. Right. Because right. most Christian music tends to be, it's poetry light. It's usually like, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to put a rhyme on, but here's exactly what, you, what I want you to understand by what I'm about to tell you. Right. Right. It's very directive. Mm-hmm. You know, let's leave no ambiguity out there. And mm-hmm. poetry, good poetry always has, I mean, you have to bring yourself to the table and there's a, there's an ambiguity there, and it requires an investment from the reader or the listener. And so he, that broke open my world. Like that, mm. that and, and from there, I, you know, Joni Mitchell and Neil Young and the Crosby, mm. and Nash and, you know, James <laughs> Taylor and, and, you know, and that whole crowd. So that really influenced me. I ended up joining a, a nightclub band um, in 1978 that was like a jazz fusion band. I sang for them. For about a year and a half, they were called Dega. I actually played saxophone in that band. Come on, yeah, and sang lead, and um, and then during that time, I also met Tim Elias and John Schritt. Right, we formed the trio Elias Schritt and Bell uh, that a lot of Manitobans will remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, uh, from there, I I ended up just sort of being a side guy in the club scene for about seven or eight years, mostly country. Byron O'Donnell, Rhonda Hart. I did some work with the Rocky Roulette band. For Manitobans, <laughs> you know, I was, I was, yeah. there's a few things in there, but I was more of a side guy. Right. And again, I was the whole time I was looking for, you know, what am I supposed to do? In that time, I got married, and my wife, Nancy, and I started having children. And, um, and Nancy has always been, like, an amazing supporter. Like, because, um, you know, to, to support a musician costs you as a spouse. Sure, you for know? sure. Just because of time things, the, the time, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. But Absolutely. she was she, she was really wonderful. But but playing in the clubs is kind of hard on the family. Mm-hmm. You're gone at nights. You're gone five, six, seven days a week. There's really no money <laughs> to speak <laughs> of. <laughs> or not very much. Not very much, yeah. You know, and so that was starting to wear thin. And, um, and so, she, I mean, she was the one when I decided to sort or I, I was thinking that maybe I should be doing this a little differently. Right. Uh, she was amazingly supportive, hmm. you know, rather than saying, you know, it's time for you to get a real job. 
Which a lot of people say. Yeah, to which musicians. a lot of people, and, and, and fair enough. Yeah. I mean, you know, bills have to be paid and, sure. and we have to, you know, if we have those children, we're kind of obligated to feed them and clothe them. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's so, a certain yeah, level true. of, yeah. yeah. And, um, Darn kids. Yeah, there's stupid kids. <laughs> and so, so I mean, she uh, she really did encourage me and, and, and said, I'm, um, I mean, I'm putting words in her mouth. She just said, it's risky and it's vulnerable, but I can do that. Oh, cool. Right? And so, I mean, there's a much larger, longer story to that. But with that encouragement, I started doing the solo thing in the late 80s. Yeah. So, 89, my first solo album, Comfort My People, came out. And there's a whole story. I don't know how much of that you want yeah, to hear. Yeah, sure. But, do it. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, I mean, that, yeah, I mean, we're so, not going to, we can't, we won't talk about each one, but I mean, the yeah. first one. I mean, the first really was important. Cool. Yeah. So, what happened? So, I, I, I did feel this this um, presence of God in, in my room one night. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I felt I was supposed to take a di- different direction. I didn't yeah. know what it was. There was no sort of di- instructions with that yeah. feeling. Um, Nancy uh, was, uh, uh, had, had the opportunity to go back to teaching. I stayed home with the kids uh, for this one half a year or a year, something like that. And um, and it was it, it, that was a hard understanding how just how deeply hard it is to be home with kids. And my kids were good. It's not they were they were problem children, but they're just relentlessly needy. And, yes, yes. <laughs> and and don't understand that you are as also, also needy, right? So <laughs> so it's not it's not a mutual appreciation of no. neediness, right? No, no. <laughs> so that's a one way street. Yeah, it's a one way street. Yeah, let me so meet your needs. Yeah, yeah. The energy is all going yeah. one direction. So. Um, uh, so, but but in that year, um, uh, this music started. I started writing these songs to to scriptures, to um, uh, more spiritual themes that yeah. had been always there for me, but I just had didn't know, know what to do with them. And ended up with a bit of a bank of songs. And a, a friend of mine, a Catholic priest of all things, um, uh, came along and said, "You should record these." And um, and and I said, "Why? What would I do with them?" And yeah. he says, "That's not really the issue. You should at least, you know." So he wrote me a check for ten grand. This this guy and said, "Go record these songs." Make no album. way. Yep. Yep. Wow. And, and now was this your was this sort of your your delving into writing, or had you written before? Or was it mostly cover stuff? You it did? was like, it was mostly cover stuff. I had done some songwriting, right? You know, but I wrote a song a year or a song every two sure. years. I wrote a song called Jenny. That was that oh, was a great song. Yeah, but, but yeah, it wasn't followed up by mean. any great songs. Yeah, so right. It, it, so I didn't really think of myself as a songwriter. Okay. I just I thought of myself as somebody that occasionally stumbled on a song. Right. Right. And some of them are good, and some of them are lost because they weren't worth. Yeah, pursuing, but when when this guy sort of handed me a check and said go make a record, and I phoned up my buddy Dave Zaglinski who ordered a who who owned a, a um, commercial recording studio, right? And I said, can we do this? And he said, well, yeah. And so we we tried to figure out how to you know call in favors and and take this fairly small amount of money and turn it into an album. And Dave helped me do that. Was that the first time you knew Dave? Well, I'd known him as a teenager. Okay. Um, yeah, he had uh, he had done sound for me um, when I was seventeen or eighteen at a coffee house. Oh my! And after the and and because he likes recording, he brought it a reel to reel yes tape machine and recorded it. And then a day or two later, he phoned me up and he said, "I'm the guy that did sound for you." And I says, "Oh yeah, yeah." And he, and he said, "You should come over and listen to this." It turned out not too bad. And then I went to his place. Yeah. And we became friends. Okay. And then his he ended up starting a recording studio mid ocean, um, uh, which is the spot we're in right now. Wow. Um, and and uh, it was a commercial recording studio, and I got going in the clubs. And so our careers kind of um, evolved um, in parallel, right? Like to like two tracks. Yeah. And we were always helping each other. Like I would, I would write jingles for him and he'd let me record songs. And, sure. You know, that kind of stuff. And um, it was, a, it was. I mean, there was monetary exchanges. It was mostly just friendship and 
you know, mutual love of this thing. Yes, right. And then when I started to do my own stuff, of course, he's the one I, I, I went to. And, mm-hmm. and then we did the first album, and then we did the second album. And then the third one, he just said, like, why don't I just become a partner on this? I'll put in some money. And, and, and so we did Burning Ember album, and, um, and he was an actual business partner on that. Right. Um, and then after that, you know, he said, why don't we just do this together? Yeah. And so... We kind of threw each other's resources into one pot, called it Signpost Music, and we've been doing this ever since. Yep. Yeah, what what a partnership that is, right? Like, and and talk about being part of a team. Yeah, like, and that's a long like we we've been together. I mean, as friends for almost forty years, and as as business or ministry partners for almost thirty. Mm-hmm. And um, and the the. Uh, uh, the the beauty of the, the um, we don't fight we don't we're we're still friends we've been through thick and thin we've had to pivot through a thousand different technological changes mm-hmm. um, Dave's come somewhat fearless he's has that mind like he's never sort of uh, he, he's never sort of imprisoned by last year's ideas or last year's technology he's always like could we do this better could we change is this the time to do this right so he is the guy that like during COVID um, came into my office one day do you think do you think we could turn this back room into a little TV studio sure. and I'm going no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, but we did. Lo and behold. Lo and behold. And that's almost the it's, – it's, it's a big of a piece of what we do now is, is the concerts. Sure, the sure. The video work, right? Yeah, so yeah. That developed. So that's been a very happy um, mm. and fruitful uh, relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So talk a little bit about the whole thing about staying in Manitoba, which some people mm. would say, you know, you tried Nashville. Da, 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 you didn't – you know, you didn't go – in the end, you didn't go for that. You knew where you'd be happy here. Right. How, do, how have you stayed happy here? What has, what has now defined the success of this, why you are still here? Well, I think part of it was, was – I think what what helped us stay here was going away. You know, so you go down to Nashville, for example, and I don't, I'm not, I don't want to dump on the Christian music industry or whatever, but it there's a there's a certain culture, mm-hmm. and um, and only certain people are allowed into that culture. And how you look and the size of your waist matters. And do you have all your teeth? And mm. are you balding or not? Or yep. you know, do you have the look? Right. right. So that's a big part of it. Do you have the vibe? Do you have? There's a certain swagger. That that portion of Christian music or music in general mm-hmm. rewards, and if you're not part of that, you kind of don't fit. And as you're kind of pushing your way in, and you're feeling the resistance, it's like, what's wrong? Like, I think my music's as good as the next guy. Why am I not getting this? But also, you realize, no, there's a whole package you have to buy into to be part of that that industry. And some people have the goods, sure, and they fit really well, and they do great, and they thrive. I think we sort of realized that. There's a sort of a there's there's sort of a, a, a glamour piece that we're uncomfortable with. Um, it's just not who we are. Yeah. And I remember after being at a particular seminar um, by an industry executive, and Dave and I looked at each other and said, "We just don't belong here. These are not our people. God bless you, but this is just not who we are." Mm-hmm. And so we came back to to Winnipeg and and stopped trying to not be a humble little recording company. Right. And just sort of embrace, this is who we are. Yeah. Um, let's be happy with small crowds. Let's let's be wise with our money. Um, you know, let's just, just, and let's just sort of build concentrically from a center. Yeah. You know, um, and and we just sort of just carefully and slowly just kind of grew. Mm-hmm. But nothing, nothing's huge. I'm not saying into stadiums and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, it, you know what I mean? Like, right. But but it's good. It's you know we've and so we've had a, a you know thirty almost thirty years of of doing. No, we, we get we get enough 
fun things. Like we've done symphony concerts and yes, you know, and, yes. and th- those are wonderful. So we've had a couple of things that are kind of kind of glamorous big. and big yeah, and really, fun yeah, and really yeah. super energizing. But yeah. my life is mostly singing to two hundred to 300 people Mm -hmm. in small communities. Well, what's incredible, though, in saying that is you have been able to, you know, a lot of musicians, they have a real job and then they do this on the side. But you have managed to make this your bread and butter, so to speak. And not just you. I mean, Dave's with you. You have staff. Have you have staff, right? Yeah. And yeah. and Signpost also has other musicians, right? You've grown into that. Yeah, yeah, we've yeah. Well, we're not we're not well, sort of managing other musicians, but we th- this is a bit of a resource yeah. uh, for musicians. So right. the Brothers Landreth, you know, sure. have, did a lot of re- recording here, mm-hmm. and and um, I mean, so many different people. Yeah, there um, have been a lot. Like yeah, that have Murray Pulver my... does a lot sure. of his producing here. Sure, yeah, um, and we just sort of make that available. Um, yeah, Dave has been really sort of great at thinking differently mm-hmm. um, and thinking small business. You know, um, mm-hmm. you know, if we wanted to open up a restaurant, we'd probably have to have a relationship with the bank, and yeah. <laughs> you probably have to know how to cook, and sure. you probably have to do a bunch of things that are not your. You know, someone has to clean the toilets, and if mm-hmm. you can't afford someone to do it, that's probably going to be you, right? And so we we we've just sort of taken on a small business sort of way of thinking. Um, uh, I think we've been smart enough to know that we need some guidance so we have an informal board of people that sort of just keep an eye an eye on us just you know on our books and mm-hmm. and all that and we make sure an accountant sees those and yep. just you know keep things tidy um, sure. and Dave does most of that work I'm yeah. pretty lazy about that sort of stuff so <laughs> uh, <laughs> it probably wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for that relationship for sure um, but it's been I, mean, I, th- I think when we made our peace with we're not going to be mega stars we're just going to make a lovely contribution given the gifts that we have yeah and and you know we're not rich but we we have vehicles and we have homes and yeah you know we get to take vacations from time to time yeah. and you know you know we can afford a nice bottle of wine with dinner if we want it yeah yeah Do you know yeah. what i mean like it's so it's it, and and so it's it's enough yeah it's enough I love that. Some people listening, you know, there are a lot of people listening that don't have a faith background. Mm-hmm. They, you know, really aren't that concerned with it. We talk about wellness. We talk about the inside of people mm-hmm. who we're trying to search for when we we're talking to guests. Like what, you know, yeah. what makes you who you are on the inside? And obviously faith's a big part of that. So my question to you that I, I think would be interesting for people mm-hmm. is why don't you just sing Songs like why does it have to have a message? Like why is that important? Oh, like yeah. why faith? Why use this as a vehicle? Right. Why a ministry? And you talked about your moment that you had. Yeah. But um, I love for you to like flesh that out a little bit for us. Well, that's like, why not just sing? Yeah. You know? why, or why not do or secular songs? Or sing secular songs. songs. Well, I do. And, you know, I, I do. And you I probably mean, do some of that. Well, but. a little bit. But, yeah. but for me, it's, it's. I think what people don't quite realize with someone like me is there is no pre-thought to a song. Like I don't. I don't get up in the morning and think I need to write a Christian song today. Right. I write songs. I write songs out of who I am. And I love my that. and my, my faith really isn't something as much that I chose as that I feel like it chose me. Hmm. I don't know how to say that. Yeah. Like I didn't kind of go to all the world religions, see one which one made the the most sense to me and go, Oh, Christianity, that's clearly the winner. Because, <laughs> I mean I, I pick mean, that one. I mean it's because if you look at sort of the general sort of story of Christianity, it's it's not very flattering, you know, <laughs> to a lot part. And it's True. not very believable, actually. Right. You know, it's no crazier than that some of the other crazy stuff out there. Sure. Like we have talking donkeys and we have people rising from the dead and you know, <laughs> yeah, like, you're right. we have angels visiting, we have of, you know, people suddenly growing limbs, you know, like like it doesn't seem really plausible. Right. I, I, I think, you know, people that don't believe it, I it's 
I have deep appreciation for it. There's all kinds of reasons not to appreciate mm-hmm. appreciate it. I feel it chose me. Like I yeah. I feel um, that that I remember as a little boy going out into the back um, of my dad, my mom and dad's porch and looking up at the stars and sort of seeing the deep heavens. And I just felt this rich cosmic benevolence, this goodwill, this coming mm. towards me, like mm. a, like an energy, yeah. that something out there was for my good personally. Uh, I just felt it. And then as I heard the stories of Jesus and I heard some of those, I thought there's a match there. Like I... So for me, that's just what it was. And so um, those texts have been sort of my spiritual food, those yeah. stories. Um, um, and the songs come out this way. It, it's, so my, um, my, my songs aren't about my spirituality. They aren't about my faith. They are my spirituality. They are my faith. And there's a difference. They're not propaganda, I don't think. Yeah. I'm not trying to convince you of anything. Right. This is what comes out of me. Right. You know, so if you want to hear it, here it is. You know, if you don't want to hear it, there's probably other things you can do with your evening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what a refreshing take. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I, I speak of people who maybe don't have faith, but I also mm-hmm. come from a background of very much growing up yep. in the church, yep. growing up in the Sunday school yep. with the answers and the yep. right. And just believing. Yep. Just believing what was in yep. the book called the Bible. Yep. yep. You know? And I think when people from all walks of life hear you sing, I think that's why you you reach people from all walks of life. You know, but it's refreshing for me to hear it is who you are. So when you go so so here's here's a Sunday yeah. school question for you. So some people go and they want to sing uh songs about faith because they do want to convince other people right. of right. Like do you have when you when you go into uh an evening concert and you know you you perhaps pray beforehand, mm-hmm. you know? What do you pray for? What do you hope for when you step on stage? Like what do you want this to be or what what have you seen your career has been and what do you hope it's like I would, I would hope that I can be an authentic conduit of that benevolence that I felt when I was a little boy in my sure. dad's back. You know, like how how does that look? When I pray, I mostly pray that I don't get in the way of that. Right? Like it's not, it's not like I I don't really have agenda for the audience. But speaking of wellness, like if you are a yoga person and you have you have felt the the goodness of this work. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you naturally sort of want to make that available to someone. Sure, because right? if it felt good for you, why wouldn't yeah. you want others to experience that, right? Right. So I, I do want, I guess if I have any agenda, it would be I'd like to share it. Yeah. But not in any sort of knockdown, this obliterates your experience kind of way, mm-hmm. right? Um, um, and so I, I just want to, I, I want to be an authentic conduit for that thing that first drew me to the story in the first place. And that was a sense of cosmic benevolence that had no... Um, creed attached to it. Yeah. You know, I, I felt the truth before I had any words for it, before I had a set of sort of, of beliefs, yeah. right? So, and so if that's true, if I could have that at, at six or seven or eight, I can't remember exactly how old I was, mm-hmm. maybe even younger than that, then I'm assuming that's possible for you. Yeah. You know, I don't have to nail this down. And when and when you know, when you look at scriptures too, I mean, the, the scriptures, even, you know, we think of truth in, a, in the modern rational era as sort of formulaic propositions, you know, like one and one is two. And that's true in Russia. It's true in South America. It's true in Canada. It's true in Australia. Mm-hmm. It's just true everywhere. Right. And that's how we think of truth. That's, that's the lowest hanging truth out there. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's fine. It's really, really important <laughs> if you need to pass an exam or if Ex- you need to do the math for a practical reason. <laughs> sure. And science is good. I'm not anti-science at all. But I think all these things are actually pointing to a deeper a, 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 a deeper, I'll use the word, deeper magic in a sense, yeah. um, a deeper truth, a, a deeper knowing, um, a deeper knowledge um, that really is kind of hard to put your finger on. But words like love <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, are really, really important. Um, and the, the, the witness of Jesus, the story of Jesus makes sense to me in that. Okay. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I don't really have, I don't really question very much is Jesus the part of the God head. I mean, I know that's a hard sell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get that. Yeah. But also it feels true to me. It rings true. Right. You know, so why wouldn't you share it? Yeah. So so there it is. And, and I think when you simply keep it that way, I, I like that. I, I like when you say, I just hope I don't get in the way. Right? You know, like when we talk about, say, the divine or say say a concept like love, I mean, with with our finitude, that's like an amoeba describing a mountain. You know, it's like it has no idea what a mountain is, no. but it thinks it does, you know, because it, cause it has the experience, this micro experience of what a mountain is. Yeah. But that doesn't mean its knowledge isn't true. It's just not complete. Right. And so I have certain experiences. They ring true. I sing them. They ring true for other people. Um, I love theology. I love doing all that work. Um, I have very specific beliefs that that I think that I could argue. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, if you want to have that conversation, <laughs> yeah. you know, but I don't need you to because um, I, I, I sort of feel if God is God and if God is love, God is far more interested in us than we are of God. Yeah. And so I'm not really worried about you, <laughs> right? So yeah. it's only like can we – find a way with the gifts that we've been given in our createdness, in our dependence on divine love, can we find a way of, of flourishing each other? Um, and to, not only in our, in our physical and mental and uh, well-being, but in our spiritual well-being, you know, in a way that also um, creates communities where people can flourish, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and so that does mean, you know, noticing those who are left out of flourishing. <laughs> right. Right. You know, however, and, and, you know, our systems that do that, and prophetically speaking out against systems of injustice, um, institutions of injustice, all those sorts of things. But at the same time, with a deep confidence that there's a there's a goodness undergirding all things, and that's that's why we gravitate toward it. Yeah. And that's why um, uh, when we diminish one another, it hurts so bad because we're not supposed to. It's not right. supposed to work that way. Otherwise, we wouldn't give a shit. Exactly. Right. You know, like. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about um, some of your successes in the music world. Yep. I mean, there's Juno's. Mm -hmm. Where does that fit for you? How have you pursued those things? Have you pursued them? Have they, you know, I mean, you have to apply for certain things. I don't even really know, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, you, you like for Juno's, you like somebody, you know, has to be part of, I think, Keras, I think is the organization. And they have to be a voting member and then they can nominate somebody. So, you know, signpost music. Sure. Um, is a member, and yep. they can they can nominate Steve Bell. Okay, I think that's how it works. Sure, and that's that is much control of you as you've got. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's it. Put you your know, name in the ring. Yeah, you put your name in the ring. Uh, same with the you know the gospel music awards. Like these sure. are so these are all things you put your name in for. Yeah, and then you know you might win, you might not, or yeah. you might get nominated, or you might not. I have a, I have a complicated feeling about them because sure. they are helpful, and that that if you win, it sure feels good. I mm-hmm. mean. 
going to say it. Winning, you know? winning is quite winning fun. Is, is, is nice. And, we wouldn't and, play and, sports probably if we weren't sort of trying to pursue some of that. Yeah, and also being affirmed by your peers. You know, yeah. so when your peers say, you know, and and you know, hopefully the judges on these things have some musical capacity. <laughs> and, uh, and so when they when you when they do say, you know, we notice, we see you, you're doing good work. Here's a piece of plastic, or yeah. you know, like yeah, yeah. Or, you know, here's a hunk of metal. Yeah, and and I don't want to diminish those because, um, but at the same time, the real work is on stage. The real work yeah. is in the writing. That you know, so I'm not. I, you know, when I got my first Juno, I wasn't a better musician that day than the day before, right? So it's sort of like getting, you know, when you know go to university for you know, 18 years so you can become a doctor. You're not a doctor the day like. In a way that you weren't the day before, right? Before you could put the yeah, the PR. day you got your diploma was yeah. not the day you had this all is, that knowledge. This is just all part of the progression of, right. of your work. Right. So, right. and and then the other thing with the awards is that they they don't really mean anything unless you push them. Like, sure. Like who won the, the who won the Juno for Christian music last year? That, like, yeah. You know, I should know because should, I'm actually in media. But yeah, right? I should I should know you too. You should know too, right? And I and I th- I think it might have been Jordan Saint Cyr. Oh, and isn't he fantastic? He's fantastic. fantastic. And in fact, his father was best best man at my wedding, and I was best man at his Come father's wedding. Come on, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> the world just gets smaller I, I all know. the time. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, Jerry yeah. Saint Cyr's dad. We were like Look we we lived together. We were roommates. Fantastic. But 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 even then, I wouldn't know that if I didn't have that personal connection. Right. So so it really, if I win an award, if I want if I want to to have an effect on my career, it's really kind of up to me to push it out mm-hmm, to the public mm-hmm. and keep reminding people. It, the, the goodness of it is um, uh, where it really helps you is, so for example, if, you, if you're a, a reviewer for the Toronto Star and you've never heard of Steve Bell, you know, if it says, if the, if the piece of publicity you got, Juno Award winning Steve Bell, Probably that at least you're gonna say I should maybe know who this is. Yes, makes so, a difference. Yeah. So yeah. it just sort of it just it it sort of it's a, it's a signal mm-hmm. to people that maybe before dismissing this you should take take a look. And so that's really helpful. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. Well, and, and I think about from a media perspective, right? We see oh well, Juno. Well, we better talk to Steve Bell again. Yep. We got to talk yep. to Steve because he yep. just won a Juno. Yep. Or even if you're nominated. Yep. Right. Yes. It does make a difference. And, it and raises you, awareness. And, and right? you know who really you know who really likes you winning a Juno who? is your fans. They're like, we won. <gasps> We were right, and we've been supporting this guy. We've been showing up to his concerts. Yep. We've been buying his CDs. Yep. You know, we're, yep. you know all that kind of stuff. We've donated money, whatever. <laughs> sure, but you know, there, there's there's a sort of community celebration. We won, and I'm happy because that's with that because that's actually true. None of us do this without with a fairly broad support. You know, you know, yeah. it is what it is, right? Yeah. You know? uh, final question before we get to some rapid fire questions. Okay. Has there ever been a time where I think a lot of musicians, they talk about how, how tough it is to be a musician, how mm-hmm. to do this full time. And, you know, maybe you took care of that. And, and Nancy was such a great support that, you know, but I mean, do any of us just go through life and it's all just been like, woo, a bed of roses, you know, has oh, there ever been no. a time where you went, what am I even doing? Like, oh, or, every, or, or, every, like every year or two, yeah. like, there, you, like, especially when the technology changes. Right. And also, obviously, <gasps> yes. Do you know? So we've had to pivot like thirty times. You know, I'm just randomly throwing out that number. Sure. It may not be thirty. But, Dave probably knows. Yeah, but <laughs> but you know, like we, you know, we were doing this when when records and cassettes were the only thing, and then yeah. kind of records went out, and there was only cassettes for a little bit, and then there's this thing called CD, and it's like, what is that? And you you do what with it? <laughs> you know, and but then that re- that requires you to record differently. So now you need different gear, you know. And then cassettes go out. We had to throw out thousands of cassettes because suddenly you couldn't give them away, right? You know, and so all this investment was gone. And then you know, blah blah blah. And then yeah. all of a sudden, the Christian music 
bookstores shut down. Like, you know, yeah. um, and so then all of a sudden you got huge financial losses because your stock is all over the country. You can't get it back. Everybody's going bankrupt. 2008, you know, um, you know, it, it just it keeps going, going, going. And so that we have, yeah, several times where we have to decide do we have the energy to re-gear up, um, to learn the new technology, to learn how to get like like how to access what everybody now is doing? And the older you get, the grumpier you get about that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, I know what you yeah, mean. Yeah, like I just I'm getting like, do I really need to learn a new technology? <laughs> really, you know? I mean, I just I just want to play a six string guitar. Yep. You know, and I play and it, sing. Can yeah, we just do that? Yeah, you know, know, and I don't want all the gear and I don't want all that kind of stuff. But that, which uh, fine. But um, but the other thing, we've also had several um, um, f- fairly delicate moments financially. Where, I mean, especially after two thousand and eight, we found ourselves in in pretty high and expensive high interest debt because we didn't see coming what came. Right, and um, and some lovely people bailed us out of mm-hmm. a very difficult situation. Um, but as we, several times, Dave and I have looked at each other and saying, if things don't change in the next three months, maybe we should start thinking about a different path. Right. And we've had that moment a few times, and then we're silent, and then we burst out laughing as if we have any skills for anything else. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or energy. <laughs> this is <laughs> it. Yeah, this is it. This is because if we change, we're really going to have to learn a whole bunch. Of yeah, stuff. yeah. Right. So we we have been sort of forced by necessity <laughs> not to quit. Sure, sure, that makes sense. Right? Yeah, because yeah. we were, we got sort of too invested when there was there was an easier reward for that. Yeah, and then now you're in. So you, so, but we've been wonderfully supported by friends and family and all that kind of stuff. So it's not my successes. Um, yes, I've worked hard. I think I've, there's been some good choices made and all that kind of stuff, but it, there's a huge community of support yeah. that has made this possible. And some of that is banks. Some of that is, you know, accountants. Some of that is fans, mm-hmm. donors. Um, sure. You know, you put all those things together, uh, people that just give you advice that kind of pay attention, you know, and can sort of see a signal or a red flag and they kind of pull you aside and say, I'm a little concerned about this. Ah. You know, I've had lots of that in my life. Cool. Yeah, people cool. that that, um, that cared enough to sort of say, you know, you should watch out for this or you said mm. this and maybe you want to think differently, you know, that, that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. You know? yeah, and being humble enough to hear that and yeah. take that and, and move forward with that. Yeah, hopefully, right? yeah. Yeah. At your best. Yeah, at your best. Not always, but <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I'm, are, are you, uh, you know, look, I mean, you're not looking back yet because I'm sure you're going to keep singing for, I mean, you can keep doing this for quite uh, some time. I mean, you know, I mean, those who are listening don't necessarily know you're somewhere in your 60s. 63. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll prob- we'll probably do it as long as we can. Why not? I mean, we'll probably, we won't, we probably won't quit. We'll probably just slow down. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, someone say, "Hey, we haven't seen that guy for a while." Like, <laughs> I don't know if we'll, there'll ever be a sort of a farewell finished tour. I mean, right. I guess I suppose if you got news of a like a health thing and you had to quit, right? You might have a, a stop moment and you sure. might say, "Okay, this is the last tour." You announce that. That's right. This is what I'm going to do. I have a feeling off. we'll go from 100 concerts a year to 75 concerts a year to 50 to 25 to 20, and then all of a sudden it's like, whatever happened to that guy? You know, and that's probably the that'd be a lovely way to. Kind yeah. of go out. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. So obviously happy with where you are, happy with what you're doing mm-hmm. and doing what you love. Mm-hmm. Yep. Awesome. Yep. A lot of energy there. Love it. Okay. Rapid fire questions. Good. How we always end these. Okay. Uh, you're 100 years old. Okay. I know you have a lot of stories, but what yeah. is the story you most love to tell? The story of my dad coming out to the bars to see me play when I was a, um, the first time my Baptist minister father 
came out to a bar to see his son play. That that was that was a a, a life defining moment for me. Because you never thought he would ever come, or did something specific happen when he um, came? He blessed me mm. afterward, and I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting a sermon or a you know a, a warning or a, 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 a. I wasn't expecting disappointment because um, Dad just didn't. That's not how he operated. What I wasn't expecting was being blessed. Wow, that was that was a shocker. That's great. Who or what do you think people see when they see you? And is there something different you wish they would see? Oh, boy. Um, I, I hope they see a, like a, a, a neighbor sort of offering their gift. Like, mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, like, I, like you know, I've, um, Irv fixes my car. He's really good at it. Like he, he offers his gift and, and, and I take it to him because he does that really well, right? And, um, and I sing pretty good. You know, and <laughs> yeah, you and do. So, yeah, and I play okay, and I write some songs, and so what I'm hoping to be is just an authentic contributor to the neighborhood, broadly speaking. Mm-hmm. So you hope people see that. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. What is something people would be surprised to know about you? I'm shy. What? Yep. I'm, I'm surprised. Fun- I'm, I'm fundamentally shy. Like I've learned, I've, I've, I've learned how to sort of. Um, go past it. I mean, I didn't say a word on stage hardly for the first 10 years of, of performing. Like it just, the, what I've come to be known as, as, as a storyteller happened to me almost like a, that there was a spiritual moment in there where, where my mouth opened and stories started coming out that was, I can take you to the day and almost to the, the, the place where that happened. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I mean, mostly just, it's, yeah, I've just, I've, I have a hard time sort of, uh, sort of trusting, um, um, that I have something to offer. Um, I don't really um, like being lo- looked at. Like I just feel shy. I don't know. I, but um, I, after years of playing the clubs and when I first quit and I didn't know what to do and I felt called to something else, but I didn't know what that something was. I actually didn't think it was music. And a pastor phoned me up and asked me if I'd sing in his church. He heard my first um, Comfort My People album. Mm-hmm. And I said, no. And he said, why? And I said, I'm a, I'm a failed bar musician. I'm not a minister. I don't do this. And, yeah. you know, and he wouldn't let me go. And he just kept phoning and phoning. And, and um, he said, you don't have to do anything fancy. Just come sing three songs on a Sunday night. Yeah. And um, I just kept on saying, no, I just didn't imagine. I couldn't figure out why. And then he said the magic words. He said, I'll pay you. <laughs> and he offered me, I think, $200 to come. And I was broke. <laughs> you know. And so, yes, okay, I can, I can do this thing. And I said, I'm going to just completely humiliate myself. And I walked up. He introduced me. And I walked up to the microphone. And involuntarily, a story came out of my mouth. I almost can remember it as an out-of-body experience yeah. looking at myself. And going, what are you doing? Like, where are you going with this? You don't know. You're like, like, pull up, pull up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then a song came, and then another story came, and then a song came, and it's almost like it's it it's almost like God showed me my future self in that moment. This is where mm. we're heading, um, and almost almost overruled my body. I don't know how to mm. describe it. If, yep. if this thing hasn't happened to you, it sounds like I'm making it up, but I kind of wasn't. Yeah. That that moment kind of. Oh, Opened up something, so I, I I would say I'm fundamentally a, sh- a shy person and fairly vain. Like I, you know, like I I care how I look and you know I worry, you know, like you know all those sort of things. So they're all there. Yeah, that's why that's a great question. Yeah, because I, I, I'm like no way. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I love that. Yeah. What exhausts you? Uh, what exhausts me? You know, uh, what exhausts me is world events. Um, and the, the part of being a, a musician or in, in being in quote unquote ministry right. um, is that, 
you you sort of feel it probably in a vain and arrogant way that you should have something to contribute to all these things. Sure. I should have something authentic to say about Israel Palestine or the LGBTQ question or abortion or all those things. But I at the same time I see these as far more complex as fast answers. And so it exhausts me trying to figure out what can I contribute, you know, and then I sort of think, well, probably not very much, you know, and, you know, but that's where I, I, that's what keeps me awake at night. I should be able to say something. I should be able to fix it. I should be able to say the, the right thing that corrects all the distortions or all the, you know, all the, and, and in the end, you know, it's not my, I'm not called to do that. Yeah. So on the other side, what energizes you? A new song. Like whenever a new song comes out, I'm just on fire. Like I just love a new song and an audience. I love, I love, I love a listening audience. It feels to me like um, that that um, they something that's supposed to happen happens. They pull something, they receive something out of me. They pull something out of me, and they give something to return. There's an exchange that's very energizing for me. Beyond um, the, the the obvious affirmation, right? Yeah, we all af- af- like you know. I'm, I'm really sure. glad if they clap and they like yes, it. Yes, yes, we enjoy that. Yeah, but but there's a there's a there's a dialogue that sort of seems to happen there that I think is something I'm supposed to be doing, and so I just feel when I'm on stage that this is what I'm primarily here for. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm here to be a father and a grandfather and a you know a husband sure. and all those kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. What was a moment of intense joy that you've experienced in your life? Well, your kids, your grandkids. I mean, uh, you know, my my granddaughter uh, Vivian was over the other day, and that was as intense as anything ever is. Like when that's every time she comes over, like Aww. it's you know, um, there's 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 um, there's like wonderful moments of of having a great meal with my wife Nancy, like just that perfect restaurant, and the and the the, the, the love is flowing easily, and and you know, and the wine is pairing is perfect and you know <laughs> you know all that thing and, and she takes something out of her fork and reaches and says taste this and <laughs> you know and and that that mutuality there is there's something um uh, deeply beautiful about moments like that so there's no one thing that jumps out but there's quite a few um and and then the uh, probably the professionally or musically the the first time we did a symphony concert the opening song was burning ember and there's this sort of this pixie dust sort of thing that happens at the beginning of that, like, like with the strings. Yeah. And I remember sitting there on that stage and hearing those strings start, the song that I had written and the way Mike had uh, arranged it. And there was a moment there of, of um, completeness. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to ever get better than this. Like I remember that. I could, not like I can die now in a, in a, in a negative way, but mm-hmm. I can die now. Yeah. Like nothing will ever, this is, this is it. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. What a great moment. Yeah. And uh, who are two or three people who influenced you and how did they impact your life? Well, I I would have to say I hate, you know, my mom and my dad. I yeah. I, I just I, like all kinds of authors and friends. And I mean, I could go on Tim Elias, Byron O'Donnell, Dave Zaglinski, um, uh, Carolyn Ahrens, uh, Bob Bennett, like all these different people in my musical life and different authors, Walter Brueggemann, um, Brad Jerzak. I mean, these are people that I've read and read and read. But in the end, uh, it was my 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 father and my mother, how, how they reacted to the world, how they did life together, um, how they um, managed conflict and disappointment and illness um, and, and, and all the and vol- financial vulnerability, um, all those kinds of things. I, I don't know. Like, I, there's no question that those two were profound in the 
best way, mm-hmm. not a not broken way. Yeah. Um, not in a perfect way, but the best way. Yeah. 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 Incredible hearing them and now knowing that and knowing more, even myself, yeah. when I hear you speak and share yeah. your stories also with open hands. Yeah. I feel that from you. And now I have more of a knowledge of where that came from. Yeah. yeah. No, no, what no, an influence. And, and the other piece, sorry, I, I should, yeah. and I'm not saying this because she might be listening, but my wife, Nancy, yeah. <laughs> has been in like incredibly um, influential on me. Um, she's, she's, she's got a, a sort of a very practical bent. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been it's, it, crazily supportive in a self-sacrificial way. Um, at the same time, um, she sort of keeps me grounded, and um, she's a very wise person and a very loving person. So there's there's all that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know. And, and and that question, I think, what, as people keep thinking of it, they think of other people. And yeah, other people and other Dave. People. You know, and, but, yeah, yeah, right. Let yeah, me yeah, tell yeah. you, the thirty yeah, years, you know, yeah, and, and yeah. all of that. But those are such key, and and that's often, yeah. you know, a, a mom or a dad or, yeah. or someone like that from youth. Yeah, it's amazing how that sticks with you. And I remember um, um, asking a fellow in, in the social working field about, you know, who worked a lot with vulnerable teenagers, and said, like, can you identify something? Um, that is consistent with the kids that make it mm. as compared to the ones that don't. Right. And he said, absolutely. And he said, the kids that make it generally are ones that have a significant adult in their life that isn't a parent. Yeah. Wow. Right. And so, and all of a sudden they go, oh, it matters how you talk to your niece or nephew or your neighbor's kids. Yep. Like these are all very significant, you know, mm-hmm. and those things might matter more than a song you write or more than an award that you win. Like those little things could have generational consequences that we has no no ability to calculate. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And we don't always know when we're doing it. Yeah. Right. Probably best when you don't. Probably best when you don't. That is Steve Bell simply being who he is. Who he was meant to be. Not writing or singing about his faith, but it's simply being his faith. Who he is. And no, the journey wasn't perfect, nor will it be. But that's not what being a hero is all about. No question, he is doing what he set out to do, the best he can with the gifts he's been given. Thank you, Steve, for giving it all to us. Now, if you haven't heard his music, you should. You can find it almost anywhere, but stevebell.com would be a great place to start, I figure. I'm Michelle Sawatsky-Coop. Thank you so much for listening to Heroes in Our Midst. And if you enjoyed it, share it with your friends. Follow us, subscribe, and like us, and all that good stuff. And then go ahead and find another of our stories. We'll talk to you again soon.